Idaho Technology Council presents Innovation Matters, a look at innovators, rule breakers, and thought leaders from across Idaho. From our studios in beautiful downtown Boise, here is your host, the CEO and founder of the Idaho Technology Council, Jay Larson. Hello, this is Jay Larson with Innovation Matters. Today is May 18th, 2022, and it's a beautiful spring day. We have a fantastic uh, agenda today because we are sitting in um, the St. Luke's uh, Information Technologies uh, area. Uh, And I've got to tell you, this is a fantastic place. Uh, um, I grew up uh, having papers delivered around here, the Idaho Statesman, to the uh, Morrison-Knudsen complex. And now I'm sitting here in it, and it's owned by St. Luke's, and uh, we get the chance uh, to be able to have some really fantastic discussion about innovation and technology. So uh, we're here uh, with uh, Reed Steffen, who um, is also on the executive committee for the Idaho Technology Council and is the chief information officer for the St. Luke's system. And uh, Molly, you're going to have to tell me your title. I'm, I'm a product manager, but I am, my title is a little different than my current role, So, which happens, you know? So um, I'm currently working on developing an innovation center for St. Luke's. Which is kind of a cool thing, right? So, yes. So really, at the, at the heart of what we're going to talk about today is about innovation, right, Reed? Is this, because uh, that's one of the biggest things we saw uh, when we had you talk to the exec, our board of trustees a couple months ago, is you talked a lot about some of the... Uh, shifts that have taken place at St. Luke's based upon how COVID hit us. And one of the things we would like to talk about today is about how we have, um, when we have hard things, they generally bring innovative thought. How's that applied here at St. Luke's for with COVID over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it applies to us like it does for anybody during this last two years. Um, challenges like a pandemic, Uh, constrained resources, constrained capacity, it breeds an innovative mindset. You're forced to think about things differently and reimagine how you have done work traditionally and how you might do it uh, in the future. But, you know, Jay, as I thought about today, I think what might be fun to talk about is, and we could certainly talk about maybe some specific innovation things that have happened at St. Luke's, but even taking a step back and just talking about innovation as an operational capability or as a framework that you have that's repeatable. Because I've always struggled with phrases like innovation or digital transformation because they get used so frequently. You hear them from so many different venues and so many different voices that they then start to lose meaning and become almost functionally not very useful or helpful. And so three years ago, um, last March, I was in Murray, Utah, and I attended a conference put on by Chime, and Chime is a professional organization for healthcare CIOs and executives, and they had an innovation workshop, and it was a day and a half, and I kind of just attended as a flyer. I needed some CPE credits. It was close by. I could see a family member down there, and so I didn't go into it with a lot of expectations, but I left that, that one and a half day workshop with a renewed enthusiasm for how to think about and talk about innovation at St. Luke's. And so what I learned in that workshop, and we can unpack this during this conversation, was that innovation is inherently relative. And so what might be innovative for one company may not be that innovative for another. And that's okay. I think sometimes, 
if we focus so much on what others are doing, you can almost paralyze yourself and feel like, well, man, they're doing such a cool innovation thing. You're almost like embarrassed to dip your toe in the water. But the framework really taught that innovation is not about doing something that's never been done before. It's about doing something that you've never done before. And so you can make it very relatable and then have a common language so that it's a, it's a shared, safe space for people to talk about and not feel like it's got to be a moonshot idea or you shouldn't even bring it up. Well, that's a good point because when you don't do the moonshot, if you, if you get – the moonshot idea brings atrophy, right, sometimes because you don't want to – if it's not this big, grandiose thing. But innovation really comes in small kernels too, doesn't it? And, and I like the idea of it's situational, right, because, there's, uh, because what you were saying, sometimes what's innovation for what you might have, it might not be innovative for someone else, yeah. right? That's a good. This is all that took place in Murray, Utah. Huh? Murray, Utah. Yeah, Intermountain Healthcare. They have an innovation center that they've built there, and so they hosted the workshop. Um, so okay, so let's take a look at that. And I, I, I think I, I said Molly. It's Zimmer's the last name. So yeah. very good. Um, so how? Uh, what have been? If you could say what? What's the biggest impact that's taken place because of? this pandemic that hit us, you know, now it seems like, so here's, here's what's really strange, you guys. I'm driving into work yesterday. I'm listening on the radio. And what it says is that New York is having this major outbreak. I have a son that just moved from Hong Kong to New York and Hong Kong just had a major Mm -hmm. outbreak, right? So it must be following my son and his family. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) So here's the point. Are, Are we, I haven't felt like we've had this major, like what's, What's different going on right now, but and how has this impacted what's happening at St. Luke's today versus where it was 18 months, two years ago? Yeah, I'd love Molly just to hear your perspective. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest changes I've I've observed, and prior to this effort, I was I was working on technology adoption, so um, really working on change management and educating our workforce. And um, so, like prior to COVID, there um, really, I mean, it makes a lot of sense in healthcare, but there was a lot of resistance to change and and implementing new technology and using new tools because fear about taking time away from caring for patients. I mean, very legitimate concerns. Um, But I think what happened when everybody got sent home during COVID, not only did it make my job very easy because they had to adopt all of these um, new tools and work in new ways remotely, and they had to do that very quickly. But, you know, after doing that for a year and a half, two years, um, and finding kind of this hybrid uh, work, you know, way of working, I feel like our... um, our organization feels like a much more adaptable, resilient, um, and and less change averse place. Um, so, like Reed said, this journey started several years ago, and I would say it really started to feel like this was a great time to sort of ramp it up because we have now a workforce culture that is ripe for innovation, and and we've seen that people are ready and they're excited about this effort. I like that idea. So what you're saying is that if you would have gone pre-pandemic and you would have tried to do this change management that you're thinking that you'd like to do, it would have been harder to do because you had a workforce that was um, maybe more firmly rooted in the processes they were doing at the time. Now, after going through COVID, they've gone through a lot of change and so they might be um, more adaptive to change or look at change differently? Is that? 
That's what I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think also what the pandemic provided for us is it, it forced a discipline and a simplification of the work that we kind of had in our portfolio. Mm-hmm. It was an all hands on deck kind of response, uh, certainly in the immediacy of kind of March 2020, uh, right after the governor with the shutdown and then quickly ramping up remote work efforts, figuring out how we would do things differently in the hospital in terms of safety precautions. And so we intentionally then slowed down and stopped a lot of other work streams that were underway. And we found in that space though, there was then time to have conversations with people about how we would think about innovation. And so we really strive to have a demand side driven approach to innovation, not supply side. Supply side innovation is, hey, I went to a, a conference and I walked through the vendor booths and somebody like grabbed me and they showed me this cool tool and now <laughs> we've got to figure out how can we use this at St. Luke's. And that's, historically, that's the way we oftentimes approach innovation, right? Is we found a tool and okay, how can we use this tool in our environment? Demand side is, it's much more deliberate and it's, we build it on three kind of core principles, uh, empathy, curiosity, and rapid experimentation. And so empathy is really like the core principle of our innovation mindset. Empathy uh, causes us to really understand the consumer, what they're experiencing, to not accept kind of superficial answers, but to really put ourselves in their shoes we have this this concept of the three C's of design disease, which is that if all you know about your consumer is what you've learned in a conference call, uh, in your cubicle, um, or uh, what's the third C? Conference Molly? room. Conference room, thank you, the room we're sitting in, then you fundamentally are not going to understand what the real job is they're trying to do. And so we encourage our staff to like get out of the office. And COVID obviously made that challenge we had to maybe do that uh, observation virtually in some cases but now that things have have relaxed a bit we we go and we just sit and observe and just watch how people use technology how they interact with the solutions we provide because a lot of times people don't even know they're struggling they just accept that well this is the way it has to be and so those are great seeds for innovation ideas i love that idea the empathy part of it i've got the fourth c for you though let's hear it covid hey am i good am i good Yes. Because then, but anyway, that's opposite yes. though, because but yes, COVID's causes change, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think this empathy is a, a wonderful thing because uh-huh. there's, how do you not, how do you feel empathy if you don't know, if you're not in the other, it's kind of putting your, yourself in the other person's shoes or yeah. your customer's shoes. So whenever you do that, you can see the through that lens, you get an opportunity to be able to see opportunity, right? I, I love that a lot, so... Um, all right, so uh, it's the second, the empathy, what was the second curiosity. one? Curiosity. Okay. I think that uh, curiosity is a major deal. How do you get a team to be able to have curiosity? Yeah, Molly. Okay. Well, I mean, listening to Reed talk, I, I totally agree. I mean, we, we kind of had this perfect combination of um, circumstances, I think, and, and what that allowed you know, kind of prepared our workforce uh, to be ready for. But I also would say um, one of the things, you know, when we're tr- talking about implementing a repeatable framework, which is what um, what Reed was talking about that he was so inspired by, um, that allows for us to get really specific about empathy and really specific about what assumptions we're also making about our customers. So even when you're trying to be empathetic and you're putting yourself in uh, your customer's shoes and looking at their jobs to be done, um, 
you still have to go out and actually make sure those are correct. So um, I think the way that we've really tried to promote empathy is by using um, like an actual set of tools and testing those over and over again and refining the way that we facilitate the use of those tools. Um, And that actually makes it something that anyone can engage in, which is totally the point. So you don't have to be Elon Musk. (laughs) Um, You know, you don't have to be some kind of out there thinker. You can be anyone in our workforce that um, sees an opportunity and come into the Innovation Center and and we have tools that will help you draw out those um, ideas and test them. I think that when I think about curiosity, you know, questions are the most powerful tool we have as we think about how we identify opportunities to innovate. And it's not just about a simple question, but it's like a consistent stream of questions to really drill down and understand what the consumer is trying to actually say, to not just accept the superficial answer that they give of what they want to do, but to really understand why do they want to do it? What could we do that would delight them uh, in this situation? Um, and here's an example. Let's say you have a you have a parent, and they go into their doctor, and they say, "I want to lose 30 pounds." And if the doctor just simply accepts that, or maybe they ask them even like, "Why?" Like we try and stay away from why questions because why questions often in they they elicit a defensive response. Like you have to justify why you want to do that. So we try and and standardize on what questions. So if the doctor just took that at face value, added to the chart, gave them a diet plan. So they're helping them functionally do what they want to do, but they're missing the social aspect of what they're trying to do, like how they want to be perceived, and the emotional aspect of what they want to do, like how it's going to make them feel. So imagine if the doctor took some time to really explore that and said, well, what is it about losing 30 pounds that would be great? And then in the course of the conversation, they learn that, oh, this parent has a child getting married, and they are going to have a wedding reception and they want to dance with their son at that reception and they want to fit into this dress that they bought, then you've connected not just the function of what they're trying to do, lose weight, but the social aspect of it, how they want to be perceived by those at the wedding, the emotional aspect, you know, this incredible life event of their son getting married and wanting to look and feel their best. The odds then of of innovating and accomplishing a goal are just so much higher. So it's really some simple principles that are really powerful as they are consistently applied and practiced. So it'd be like on this illustration you're talking about, it would be asking the questions of what the desires are of that patient or whatever you're pulling out. And then you're actually getting to the, you're actually having the empathy now because you now you can turn around and you say, oh, wow, I remember when I got married or all these type of things that are taking place. You know, my dad, when I was growing up, I was about eight years old. I remember driving down the road. We were driving down uh, on, a, on a road trip to the east, um, to the west coast. And I say, Dad, are we almost there yet? And you know his answer would be every time? We'll be there in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes. It's parenting 101. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't ask him. I said, Dad, you're just telling me 15 yeah. minutes every time. I yeah. was frustrated at the time. <laughs> I, I needed to be more curious. Yes. Okay, so we've got curiosity. What's the third one, Reed? Rapid experimentation. Okay, so that's one where you explore it quickly, you see how it works, and then you see if it's going to have take or if it doesn't. How does that apply? Yeah, so you know, you've you've been empathetic, you've been curious, you really feel like you understand what would delight the consumer, what the the job they're actually trying to accomplish, and then so you develop a hypothesis of what you think will help. Rapid experimentation then is understanding that the hypothesis 
like the assumption we make rarely survives that first real world encounter with the consumer. And so we take our ego out of it. We don't have to be right. And so we have a scientific method approach. We test the hypothesis and we accept the information that comes back and then we quickly pivot. So we develop a new hypothesis, we update our understanding, and it lets you uh, iterate in a very agile manner so that you can innovate much more quickly than you would otherwise. And this is the work that Molly is really leading and facilitating for the system. Yeah, Molly, you have anything to add to that? Well, I mean, I, I just was thinking there, all of these things are so intertwined. So, like, I really feel like the practice of, of using a tool, and it honestly probably doesn't really matter what the tool kit is, but getting people in and kind of forcing them to draw out those assumptions, that experience for people was so illuminating that we make so many decisions based on... <laughs> assumptions and we yeah. don't even realize it and we don't test them and so drawing those out um, and then like actually testing those critical hypotheses before you build something else that is huge and so I think um, you know we did a, about a six-month POC proof of concept um, a few months ago and that was one of the biggest things I feel mm -hmm. like people took away and it actually changed their lens and it made them more curious um, and I've had several follow-up conversations with leaders looking for how can we incorporate elements of this into our decision-making so people start realizing, oh, I've identified a problem. Well, before we decide this is the solution, what are all the underlying assumptions that made you decide this is the solution? That's a great point. And I know I, we had a uh, Capital Connect conference where one of the entrepreneurs who has been very successful said, if you're going to fail, fail quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of that rap rapid experimentation of things, right? Because yeah. you don't know for sure, you don't know what the hypothesis might be, but you want to do it. You want to go out and test them, and then you can see if it, if how, you know, how it fits, or if it if you need to make pivots, like you were talking about. Another word, yeah. another word that I've had a problem with that's been overused: pivots. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll work on that. Okay, that's just my that's my issue. Yeah. My issue. You know, I think that concept of failing fast. I certainly understand the nature of the principle of it. In a healthcare setting though, we've kind of aligned on the, the language of learning fast. Okay. Because failing fast, it just doesn't feel or sound good in a healthcare <laughs> setting, right? <laughs> no one cares that we failed fast if we learned. So really it's about learning quickly and about learning inexpensively. Like that's, that's a key element of that rapid experimentation. I like the positive twist to that a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. Failing quickly, you know, I, that's something that's been said so many times, but I love what you just said about that, but learning quickly and then having that so you can iterate out of that, so yeah. Okay, so, um, so it's interesting because I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, how many, the public has, comes into, um, contact with so many of St. Luke's health system employees, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that this, this process you, we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes, this is being implemented throughout the, the St. Luke system? That's the goal. Okay. So we've done this proof of concept Molly talked about, and the hypothesis was, hey, if we had a, uh, an operationalized approach to innovation, we could then make innovation something at St. Luke's that would be safe, it'd be supported, to be celebrated. We'd have some coordination and some consistency in it. We could more easily use it as a, as a tool to then meet strategic objectives and operational needs. And the POC validated that hypothesis. Like we proved that, that yes, this can work. And so now the next step is 
how do we begin to scale that? Um, and it's it can't just be Molly and a couple of folks. Like this has to be, innovation has to be moving from the the responsibility of a few to the accountability and responsibility of everybody. And so you can have bottom up innovation, you can have top down innovation where maybe Chris Roth like plants a flag in the ground and says, you know, we're going to land someone on the moon in 10 years, that kind of a thing that then drives this activity. But what we believe and what we find is that those things may happen, but that bottom up innovation, like we have this rich source of ideas and skills and expertise and diverse perspective that we just aren't tapping into as effectively as we could. And it's cross-positional now because yeah. it doesn't matter if it's Chris Roth exactly. as your CEO or what the, where the person, they all say, wow, I'm finding different ways to be able to meet and delight my, our patients. Mm-hmm. Well, think about, and you've probably had the experience in your career, I have, where you're working and you see a problem and you have an idea, but you feel powerless to impact or influence it. You feel like your voice just won't get heard, you have no avenue or path. So part of this framework is it provides those pathways and it gives everyone a chance to have a voice because people on the front line who are dealing with that struggling moment, uh, oftentimes they may have the innovative breakthrough that not just benefits their little work silo, but has a an influence beyond what even they can see. And this framework then helps to bring that to life. It becomes very illuminating, doesn't it? Yeah. Because then you can see all these things taking place. By the way, I just had to tell you, um, there's already been somebody landed on the moon before. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. Dang it. First. I know. Chris okay. Mark like, surgery right. on the moon. First I'll let Chris know. Hey, there, there it is. is. There you go. There we go. Now we're talking. That's impressive. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to tell you, my, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know you already have people that are doing this stuff. I, I know already because... Uh, my physician uh, who takes care of your internal medicine is uh, a- Dr. Amy Schill, and she's fantastic. She is. Yeah. And so that's that's where I get the chance to be able to experience that firsthand because of how Amy helps me get better, takes better uh, better uh, personal ownership of my own health mission, right? So that's great. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about some of the next steps that you're going to be doing. So so now I, I would I would say that so the hypothesis I'm, I just generated one is that because of what's happened because of uh, the pandemic, your team is in a better position to be able to implement some of this innovative uh, culture that you, you're developing. Now you're in the process of rolling this out with the mission that you're gonna have uh, more empathy, more curiosity, and you'll have more rapid uh, verification of all these things, right? So, and this, um, um, how will this, uh, what's the ultimate goal? I mean, so yeah, so this is what we're talking about. What's the ultimate goal? Why are you doing all this? Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the ultimate goal of like an innovation center is, there, there's several, but providing, you know, the physical space the methodology and and actually systematizing um, the capability of innovation first internally, but then even like we've you know St. Luke's is such a big part of the community. We've already um, started to get out and work with like Trailhead and ITC and and other groups and just just kind of get involved. Um, but I think uh, the very first thing that we're working on right now is developing more of like a time boxed accelerator program. Um, our proof of concept, like I said, it was about six months and we kind of just like, it was on top of people's you know day jobs, right? So um, we, we kind of let that go on um, until we had a kind of a culminating uh, event. But this we really want to say, hey, we have 
16 weeks, we are going to take people through from the challenge, um, the contextual research, the ideation, the assumption extraction, the testing, and the pitch in 16 weeks. And so that is our next goal um, that the the team is working on. Um, Still a lot left to put in place, but we're hoping to start that mid-June. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, we've... We've got this Innovation Center of Excellence, and so there's two people that staff it. Molly leads it, and then uh, Lexi Jensen is on the team with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm there to support them. Like, I had the genesis of the seeds like three years ago, but then realized I need really smart, capable, creative people then to help bring this to life, which has happened. I think we probably need three more people on the team, and then we'll have a fully kind of functioning COE. Um, but it doesn't slow down the work we do now. And we've had internal conversations and there's momentum and support for it. And so I think like in a year or two, it'd be good to have this conversation again to kind of share, you know, what we thought we knew today that we've learned is a bit different as we go, but then also have some, some examples and some antidotes to kind of share that we've experienced. I would would say we want a year because we want to, we want to see the rapid, how rapid this takes place. Two years puts us way out there, right? (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I love it. Now what I do say, is kind of what my thought process goes is that you have, uh, you know, I always look at St. Luke's system as one of the top employers as far as the number of employees in the yeah. state of Idaho, right? It's about 16,000. 17,000. 17, Who's counting? Yeah. But yeah, 17,000. <laughs> and then if you take a look at that, so you have to have all these 17,000 people are interfacing and working if you want them to work effectively together. And then obviously, the patients and the customer, I mean, the patients that come, you really want them. So, I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity to, to increase yeah. productivity in one of the best uh, uh, health delivery systems in the United States, right? Yeah. And I think for me, what that translates to then is, so our vision is to provide just exceptional patient-centered care. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, and we talk about this, we know that there are areas where it's not patient-centered necessarily. It may be centered around a workflow, around a clinical team. And so I think there's so many innovative opportunities to really improve that consumer experience about how they, how they find, how they access, how they receive, how they follow up with the healthcare that they receive at St. Luke's. And that, that's what excites me the most because it's not a secret that compared to finance or retail or travel, uh, healthcare is a little bit lagging in terms of that consumer experience and how we use digital tools. Although it's it's also a very complex industry. And so I was just reading a, a report today by somebody that I thought was, uh, it was a good insight. And they said, you know, like for your banking app, people interact with their bank at least weekly, oftentimes more frequently than that. People oftentimes, generally, may just interact with their healthcare, their doctor or their hospital once or twice a year. And so their dexterity with the tools then is not nearly to the level it is for banking or shopping or the things they do consistently. So that's an interesting perspective Mm -hmm. to have as we kind of segment and create personas for our consumers because you have to meet people where they are. 
And so then those digital tools have to be simple enough for the casual user, uh, but then also like robust enough for the kind of frequent user. And it's an interesting it balance. Is, it to, is interesting because my chart, right? Yeah. You have to use that. And if you don't, if you're not used to it, then you have to go back to it. Yep. And you might be a little bit averse because you don't have, you have to go and relearn exactly it a little right. bit. Right. And I, you know, I think what's so wonderful about this is the complexities of healthcare. But if, if you're successful as you do this, this is uh, it's kind of the sweet sauce or the secret sauce that every company wants to have. They want to figure out how can they be more innovative? How can they figure out how they can be better internally and externally, right? Yeah. So, and uh, Molly, say the name of the, of the group that you're leading again. We don't have a name. We? So that's one of the fun things. Is it I'll, I'll brand it. I'll help you. That's, that's yes, your, we yeah. need help. Naming is hard. I would, so hard. I would call it uh, Innovation Matters. No, I think that's already taken. Oh, shoot. That's already taken. Darn it. That's no, the best it is name. The, the, the sterile name today is our, our Innovation uh, Center of Excellence. Uh, other companies like an Intuit have Design for Delight. So like yes, those, those right. kind of things. Yeah. So we haven't quite landed on that sweet name for yeah. it yet. That's part of our, our journey and our maturity. Uh, but that'll be kind of easy, really. The stuff that we're doing that we put in place has been the heavier lift and the harder bit of the work. Inspiration by innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think yeah. about that? Yeah. You just keep sending us the ideas. I'll keep, I'll keep yeah. it. That yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So a year from now... We will get back together in the same room and let's find out how things are working. So you can give us that. Because really the opportunity for us is to be able to help share how people are doing things or how companies are doing things, what they're learning along the way. And so their journey is made more productive and easier, right? So, um, and we really do appreciate uh Seriously, the uh, the time and energy that you've p- taken to do this, and the work that you're doing here at, at this in the St. Luke system. Thanks for all that you're doing. So, any other last thoughts that you'd have as we exit? I actually have a teaser for your audience. Oh. So, on September 20th and 21st, uh, we are hosting with Chime support an innovation workshop right here at the the St. Luke's Plaza, um, and that'll be limited to about 20 attendees. And that'll be an in-depth day and a half day and a half workshop to really unpack this framework and some of the tools around it. And on the back end of that, on the Thursday and Friday, so the 22nd and 23rd, there's going to be an innovation summit that will be, they'll certainly be healthcare focused, but we also want to bring in and potentially showcase the incredible innovation that's happening right here in mm-hmm. Boise, Idaho. So Jay, as we kind of firm up the, the details, we'll share that with you, but would love to have with ITC's reach, just maybe some promotion of that event that I think would be of interest for people in the Valley. Love to, love to do it in September, right? Yes. So we'll, we'll definitely put that out there and see however we, whatever we can do to help. We'd love to do it. So thank you, Reed and Molly. <clears throat> Been a great, great half hour. And, uh, um, as we end, just we want to make sure that you think of ways that you can innovate to be able to find and make your uh, things that you're responsible for, make them easier, whether it's your family, whether it's just taking care of your dog, or whether it's just going and watching, uh, what's it called? Uh, don't act like you don't know. Top, Top Gun. Gun Maverick. Thank you. Top Gun Maverick. This coming week, it's coming out. So you got to watch that. <laughs> we'll talk about that a year from now as well. So I love but it. Anyway, anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, and being us uh, on our with uh, Reed and Molly. And 
Uh, we appreciate you doing that because in Idaho, innovation matters. Thank you so much. Innovation Matters is a production of the Idaho Technology Council. For membership information and to get involved, visit our website at idahotechcouncil.org. Thanks for listening and helping us transform Idaho's future together.